Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro, and I want to welcome you to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast today. So our theme is don't forget the blue in Christmas. Don't forget the blue in Christmas. And the very few pastors and leaders uh, know the idea of a blue Christmas, yet it's incredibly important pastorally, practically, families, and most importantly, biblically. And so, you know, how we do Christmas as leaders uh, is critically important uh, because of our influence. And again, we often think of it as happy times and services and let's grow our churches or ministries of your pastoring. Uh, we think of our families and presents and children and joy and all that. But a, a blue Christmas is really a space uh, created for people to grieve their losses, while at the same time holding on to the reality of Jesus, a Savior of the world. And some churches uh, actually do a service called the Blue Christmas, and it's usually held around the winter solstice, uh, which is December 21st this year, which actually is the longest night of the year and the shortest day. And uh, theologically, it just integrates the fuller Christmas story, both the joy surrounding Jesus' birth and also the pain of Herod's for example, horrific slaughter of male children two years and younger. So if we're going to mature uh, and grow as Christ followers and uh, really walk out the, a full biblical perspective, uh, it's really important that we integrate into our loving of people this idea of a blue Christmas as well. And uh, because Christmas is among the most difficult times of loss uh, of year for people who've survived a loss, uh, it's a really painful time. And very often, they're just left out or forgotten at Christmas, and maybe a loved one has died. Uh, maybe, uh, some people have lost a meaningful relationship or their marriages or jobs or security or sense of direction. Uh, some folks are battling cancer and other health crises, and maybe their future is insecure. Uh, and then there's just the, the global pain that's going on around us and uh, fills our world. And so a blue Christmas, again, I'm not talking about necessarily having to do a service, although I think it's a great idea. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about just integrating into our leadership uh, as a whole. And it's offering permission for people to stop and pay attention uh, to the losses, uh, while at the same time remembering the, remembering the goodness and the power of God. And so it has such implications for us. So what I'd like to do in this podcast is break this uh, down into three areas. One, theologically. Uh, secondly, practically. And then thirdly, I'd like to actually lead you into a, a short meditation for yourself uh, to get centered uh, this time of year uh, around Christmas. So let's just start with theologically, and then we'll we'll take it from there. So uh, theologically, I mean, Christmas is a miracle, and we celebrate the, the joy of that miracle of God becoming a human being in the person of Jesus, and you know, Christ becoming a measurable, or God becoming a minute, measurable point of uh, a person piercing time. The Almighty becomes a baby, you know, the divine becomes human, the eternal becomes temporal, uh, the infinite becomes finite, the immortal becomes immortal. The God who made all things uh, becomes a person, a historical human being. So it's just, it's unbelievable. And the more you ponder it, it, it the more mysterious and exhaustible, wonderful uh, this truth is. At the same time, Christmas is about paying attention to the world's pain and bringing hope uh, to bear to bear to that, and that Christ is alive, and and uh, there's a lot of people experiencing darkness. Neighbors, coworkers, family members, strangers that we meet. I mean, just think with me for a minute about the world we're living in. I mean, I, in 2016, 
they say the United Nations says one out of every 113 people in the world uh, was either an asylum seeker, internally displaced, or a refugee. That's a little under 1% of the world's population. They say it was the highest ever in human history. And, uh, you know, many people despair about this kind of pain going on in the world around us. And, and, but we bear witness to that, to, to, to Jesus, to God on the throne, the Lord God Almighty, to his goodness and love uh, in a world of pain. Now, we don't understand why uh, the pain in the world is going on as it is, but we do bear witness to the aliveness of God and his sovereignty, that, he, that God so loved the world that he did send his son, even into a midst of a world of chaos and war and decay. And uh, again, just think about the 20th century had six major cases of genocide from the Armenians in 1915 to the Jews in World War II to Cambodians and the Khmer Rouge and et cetera. So, I mean, Herod himself uh, in the birth of Jesus was a madman. I mean, he killed three of his sons. I mean, he killed every baby under two in Bethlehem and as one uh, as Caesar Augustus said about Herod, it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. The guy was truly a, a madman. Uh, Jesus himself was a refugee. He was a fugitive. He was a wanted person. He had to flee to Egypt for his life. And uh, he had to get charity from people in Egypt to be able to live his and his family. And uh, he was a nobody. I mean, he, he was in, born in the most insignificant of places, Bethlehem, lived in Nazareth. He was obscure. Uh, I mean, Nazareth was is called by many commentators Nowheresville. Uh, it, it was a, half the town was you know Jesus of Nazareth. It became his name. He, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, and he was born in a bar. I mean, he didn't have an impressive pedigree. He didn't go to an elite school. He uh, didn't have great connections or, or wealth. And uh, you know, he he was he wasn't a celebrity. He didn't have a lot of Twitter followers. He he had tremendous pain in his life and and, and growing up and. Uh, but Matthew, when he records the life of Jesus, for example, he's not overwhelmed by that. He sees God's on the throne. He sees the sovereignty of God. He sympathizes with the tragedy around the birth of Jesus. He bears witness to Jesus in a world of pain and uh, that he is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven's been opened. It's never been closed again. And even though the, the Roman Empire is the, had been the greatest empire the world had ever known, uh, that that when that God is on a throne here, He is the Lord God Almighty, and every attempt to stamp out Jesus in history has failed, and that the worst thing that humanity ever did in the crucifixion of Jesus becomes the greatest thing ever done on the planet, and and so theologically we 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 come to this place that the light shines on in the darkness, even now in the darkness can never put it out. You know John one five can, and actually literally it's the darkness can never violently put out the darkness, and despite all human appearances, light is winning. It's the deepest fact of, of human history. Uh, sin, Satan, the world will never put out the light of God. And so, uh, you know, the central truth of Christianity is out of death comes life and out of crucifixion comes a resurrection and new beginnings and new life. And so we theologically live in this place of hope, but we're immersed in reality. Uh, and hope is, is, a, is a confident, it's, it's a patient expectation in Jesus who is working invisibly, in, through, and in spite of losses and evil. And we bear witness to that hope at Christmas. And, you know, Christian says it will turn out well for me, for you, and for us in the end. Despair says it will turn out badly for me, for you, and for us in the end. You know, one of my favorite authors is Julian of Norwich, uh, who lived in the 
early 1400s, late 1300s. She lived in England during a time of enormous political, social, and economic upheaval. She saw the Hundred Year War between England and France. She lived through the bubonic plague in Europe, uh, killed half of Europe in her time. She saw that the church was so divided and secular uh, during her you know, season of life, and yet she chose to be an anchoress and devote herself to prayer. And uh, at of age, at of age, around, around age 30, she began receiving these revelations called these revelations of divine love. That's what it's, the book is called today. And she had this incredible revelation of God. And basically, here's what the Lord said to her. And it's a very famous saying, and I, and I offer it to you. Uh, this Christmas, she says, all will be well, or the Lord said to her, all will be well, and all will be way, well, and every kind of thing will be well. And she writes, I saw hidden in God a wonderful mystery, which will he will make plain and we will know in heaven. And that is this, what is impossible to you, says the Lord, is not impossible to me. I shall make all things well. And so again, the, the, we, we bear witness that the evil plans of humans do not and will never defeat the story of God. In fact, they unwittingly become means through which God's plan is furthered. And God's sovereignty and blessings can be found in what appears to be the most horrific crimes and disasters and circumstances. And it doesn't mean God's approved it or, even, or that he authored it. It's simply testimony of his ability to bring good out of evil. And so theologically, uh, as leaders, we are called to bear witness and hope in a world full of pain, okay? So uh, we go into the world's pain. We don't medicate ourselves away from it. So that's theologically. We keep the blue in Christmas by that. But secondly, let's talk about it practically for a moment. Uh, if we're going to enter in and bear witness to the pain and losses of the world, we've got to be present to our own. So in other words, we have to own our own losses. I mean, just think about it. You know, death, we all have them. Deaths of family members or friends this past year, you know, lost jobs, uh, ending of relationships perhaps, or dreams that didn't happen. Uh, or living with some health challenges. And, and our own sufferings and grief break us open. They, they, they change us. They, they mature us. Uh, they're pathways that we can know God. And, but, but you see, we need to first just own our own losses. And I want to invite you to take some time to do that uh, in the next few days because uh, uh, it makes us kinder. It makes us more compassionate. And, and uh, as Henry Nouwen said years ago, the degree, the degree to which we grieve our own losses is the degree to which we are a compassionate people. There is no compassion without many tears. And to become like the, our father uh, who is filled with compassion and, and, and authority, we too need to uh, grieve the losses in our own life. And when we absorb our own pain, we can enter anybody's pain. And I, it just softens us. I, you know, I've never been raped. I, I've never died of AIDS. I, um, but I've been with people uh, uh, and their deathbed in AIDS. And I have been with uh, women who've been raped. Uh, and because I've entered my own unique losses, I could enter theirs. Uh, in the same way, if you'll enter your unique losses in life, you can enter anybody's. But if you don't, you're not going to be able to. So I, that's number one. Just take a little bit of time and think through your own losses this past year. All right? In fact, it's so funny. I, I just yesterday, uh, last couple of days, was actually through an instance that happened to me. Uh, really, uh, I was struggling uh, with some relationships. 
and I just I just saw it was about me. I just it was like a revelation. I mean, it came out of spiritual direction, and uh, I just got uncovered into another level of my own genogram in terms of uh, family of origin scars and wounds that there was a, there was a, it was still impacting me relationally today, and uh, it was just I, I grieved the depth of my own brokenness and powerlessness. Uh, at the same time, I I was you know I met Jesus in in it, uh, and it was very liberating. So that's why for us uh, and for me, uh, our work is bringing a discipleship that deeply changes lives of churches. And so, so core in in the in in our work is these discipleship courses, which exposes people to how do I grieve? Now, if you've not done some work. Uh, on grief and loss, I want to really encourage you to get a hold of these Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Courses Leaders Kit. The Spirituality Course has a whole section on enlarge your soul through grief and loss, uh, and the, it actually helps you do some exercises through your history uh, of losses and how God perhaps was present in them and seeking to change you. And the Relationships Course actually has a whole section about being able to explore grieving before the Lord and and how, how to actually do that. Uh, and again, Dave, people like David was a man after God's own heart. Two-thirds of the Psalms are laments. Uh, we've got a whole book called Lamentations. I mean, Job uh, patiently hoped against all hope uh, and wrote, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And the whole book revolves around that one sentence, you know, and his, his grief through his disorientation of health and loss and death. And uh, But this issue of grieving our losses is so central. So again, let me just... Uh, mention here, it's, it's important for you to this, to get go down your own discipleship in this area and uh, hopefully bring it to your church. So get a hold of those Emotionally Discipleship courses. Uh, go to our website, check that out. All right. Number two, application practically is those you're leading. Now, again, many of you listening to this are pastors and leaders in churches, uh, but I'm not talking simply about your church. I'm talking also about you personally and your family. So think about even next year, perhaps on a formal basis, doing like a midweek or a Sunday evening, doing a blue Christmas service. Uh, and it's an invitation, and it really makes a space for people in your church or ministry that are uh, really are, are approaching Christmas with, with dread. And uh, that is a great gift. Uh, we did it. Um, it was tremendous uh, and um, highly recommend it. But I think secondly is even on a, on a personal basis that you make room for your own Christmas celebration, uh, for the blue in Christmas. And whether it's remembering the pain in the world or pain of those you're going to be with at Chris on Christmas, but bring a little bit of leadership uh, to integrate uh, the sorrow and joy of Christmas uh, because there is sorrow and joy live together in complicated ways always. And the proof is found right there in the birth of Jesus and the whole account of, okay, his wonderful birth filled with joy, and yet Herod's murderous rage. And, and it really, the, the complexity of our fractured planet, in a sense, bring themselves together at the Christmas holiday. And so uh, to, for us to bring some leadership is, is such a gift. And, and also, actually, think of some people that maybe have had some losses this past year. And you know how we exchange gifts for you know, family and friends, but maybe think about actually doing something special for someone you know who's had a serious loss this past year, because you know that Christmas is going to be a tough day for them. Uh, it's one of the tough, among the toughest days of the year for people who've had a, a loss, uh, a significant loss during the year. And I can think of a couple of friends of ours uh, this year. And so I've got to think about what, what, how might I approach them? What can I do for them that, to say, I'm remembering you and, uh, this year? 
But then thirdly, I'd like to just close our time by doing a little bit of a devotional with you. And um, uh, you know, again, you may be walking, you may be in your car, uh, you may be sitting you know, at, at your home in a chair. But I'd like to lead you through some movements uh, before the Lord. And it actually comes out of a lighting of four Advent candles that Jerry did once at our, our church at New Life uh, and leading a, a little bit of a service. And we kind of lit four candles, uh, one at a time, the four Advent candles. And each led a different aspect of kind of entering into the blue in Christmas. And so I just offer this to you as a, as a gift uh, as we close our time and as you prepare yourself for Christmas. So began by lighting a first candle. And, and this would be just, just remember for a moment with me those persons that uh, let's remember those persons we've loved and lost. And we pause to remember their name, their voice, uh, their face, their memory that binds us to them. And we hold them before God and we give thanks uh, for their lives. This is what we give thanks for our lives. So just take a moment and remember uh, those who have died and name them, you know, in the silence of your heart before the Lord. And we say, oh God, we thank you for the gift of each of these people in our lives. Amen. Now the second candle, if I'm going to light one right here, is we light is to redeem the pain of loss, the loss of relationships, the loss of jobs with security they bring, the loss of health, loss of joy and peace in our lives from the stress around us. The loss and loneliness we experience uh, when people we love don't don't have faith in Jesus. So just take a moment now and remember the losses and name them in the silence of your own heart. And then we pray, oh Lord, we, we place our trust in you and we forget so easily that you are with us in everything we experience. So Lord, help us be patient and open to the changes that we're now going through. Now, the third candle we would light would be an experience for those of us who experience a loss of direction in our lives right now. And, uh, you know, you know, so so many of us and, and many people are just, just confused, disoriented, not sure where we're going. But, but we remember the God of the Exodus, Lord, that you led Moses, you led your people through the wilderness to a new land, a pillar of fire and a, and a cloud by day. And uh, so, Lord, we, we look to you. Uh, and we hear your words, do not fear, you know, I go before you. And then finally, we would light a fourth candle. And that fourth candle is a light, is a sign of hope. And we hope, and it's a hope that Christmas offers to us, that Jesus is alive, that God's come in the person of Jesus, and he shares our life. He promises us a place and a time we'll see him face to face. There'll be no more pain and no more suffering. And so we say, oh God, we lift up our hearts we, we to you and with joyous confidence that you care. And where your love is, Lord, uh, may we be. Help us to trust your love and enable us to grow in the power of your love for others. And uh, may those words of Julian of Norwich, all is well and all will be well, God, sink them deep in our hearts that we in turn might be able to offer comfort you know, and encouragement to others, you know, in Jesus' name. So thank you, everybody. And I, I want to encourage you to go to our website, www.emotionallyhealthy.org. we got a lot of resources to help you in your own discipleship uh, and in tools to help you bring a discipleship that deeply changes lives to other people. So thank you very much. It's been great to be with you. And you have a wonderful day and you have a wonderful Christmas. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>